So just as a little introduction to this episode, we kind of made a mistake. Yeah, I was way too quiet. I was a little bit too far away from my mic and I just talk quieter than Jason. Yeah, I'm a pretty loud person. So turns out we need to boost my mic so you guys can actually hear me. Which we did right now. So if it works better than, hey, yay, it worked. Yeah, that's great. Um, But we do apologize for any fluctuations in volume that happened during the episode. And thank you guys for your patience. We're just still figuring all this out. So so don't give up on this yet, guys. But enjoy episode two of The World Singer's Guide to the Cosmere. Thank you guys so much for listening and hope you have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you enjoy it. Share it with your friends. We can get more people. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to The World Singer's Guide to the Cosmere. I'm Gigi. And I'm Jason. And today we'll be jumping into The Way of Kings, the first book that is written about the world of Roshar. This is the book last episode that we recommended starting with. So here we go. Awesome. So because this is a pretty lengthy book, um, we are going to be breaking up our discussions into several different parts because there's just so much to talk about. And especially in the beginning, when everything starts to get going, um, there's just a lot of information to cover. Yeah, there's just a lot of terms and things that we need to to know. And so we're just going to be talking all about that. So today we're going to be hopefully just going over all those terms, going into the prelude and prologue. And hopefully with that type, we should have a good gist of where to go from here. So let's jump into this episode. We're still working on intro music, so hang tight, and that will be coming soon. (laughs) Boom. Awesome. So before we really get started, there are some really important terms in the Stormlight Archive that are pretty essential to understanding what's going on. So we're just going to go over a few of those for you, and there will be more to come, but these are just the basic ones. So first off, we have something called Stormlight, and this is basically what is used to infuse spheres. We'll get to what spheres are in a little bit, and it comes from high storms, which we're about to get to too, but basically (laughs) this is what people use to see. This is how, like a form of light that is used during like the nighttime and stuff like that. It's just a way of like seeing, so it's kind of like a torch from like the olden days. Yeah, they also kind of use it for like inventions and other things that we will get on, like talk about later on. Um, but for now, just like, that's the gist of what you need to know. Um, there are also high storms, which we just mentioned. So these are like incredibly destructive storms that occur every few days on Roshar. Um, and during the high storms, stormlight gets infused into spheres. And spheres are just the type of money that are used on Roshar. What it's basically is it's a type of gemstone that is in the center of kind of like glass. And this is the gemstone itself that is what holds the sphere uh, holds the storm light so the better more perfect the cut of the stone the more light it holds so the bigger the stone more light they can see more all that type of jazz there are also different types of stone that are worth more or less so diamonds are worth the least and emeralds are worth the most yeah but this whole like money yeah you'll learn more about that as like the story just goes on because there's a lot of different ways there's like chips and brooms and la 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 la, and there's just too many things to explain now but that's something you like realize as the stories go on yeah there are also infused spheres which are just spheres that we just mentioned but they have stormlight in them so they glow and um yeah like we already talked about they're used as money or as a light source um yeah, perfect. Then there are these really cool uh, weapons called shard blades. And this is a special type of sword that can cut through basically anything at all without any resistance. It can cut through rock, it can cut through wood, it can cut through like dead flesh or anything. Yeah, so it just slices has to right not on be through. Alive yeah, if it's it alive, it doesn't cut 
the, right the flesh itself, it kind of cuts like the use of it. So if someone slices like, their arm off or slices their arm with a shard blade, the arm is still there, but it's basically paralyzed. There's no feeling in it. It is, goes useless. gray. It is just like a dead limb. Um, if someone's spinal cord is cut, they instantly die and their eyes get burned out. Another cool thing about uh, shard blades is that this shard blades can be bonded to someone by placing or bonded to someone so that way they can summon the sword simply by putting their hand out and waiting 10 heartbeats. After the 10 heartbeats, the blade forms from mist and it drops into the wielder's hand. And then basically if the sword ever becomes knocked out of the person's hand and the person's not having like a straight thought of keeping the blade there, it just turns back into mist and disappears and they have to go through the whole process of summoning it once again. Yeah, so basically no one can take your sword from you. But if you die... Then it's then free it grabs. appears and anyone can grab it and bond it. Um, so now we're going to talk about shard plate, and that's the kind of like the adjoining piece yeah. to a shard blade. And it's a special type of armor that is super, super strong, and it also enhances the physical abilities of the wearer. It is just like a form fitting suit that molds itself to the wearer's body and fits them perfectly. It is one of the few things that cannot be cut with a shard blade, but after repeated strikes on a section, just like hitting it over and over again, it will crack and can break. And um, if it's really bad, the armor will explode and leave the person vulnerable to being um, hurt by the shard blade. Uh, it is powered by using infused spheres, and people can regenerate the broken shard plate with spheres to make it grow back and be brand new. Yeah, it's pretty dang cool. And these two things together are make someone a shard bearer. It's someone who wear who wields either the shard blade or the plate, and together they are very, very valuable. Many times throughout the entire season or series, it is mentioned that how these things are worth kingdoms, that people want them and will pay almost anything to get them just due to their Your immense prices. prowess in battle because one of the main people countries that we meet is like the alethi kingdom and they are all about war yeah and they own most of the shard blades in the world at this point as well yeah and so, they're pretty dang cool they're very powerful because i mean they can cut through armor shields people well people not they don't cut through them but, but they, they just die, die. they just are gone. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things is like lots of times there's a big battle going on. There's a shard blade wielder, a shard bearer, kind of just swinging his sword around with very little resistance and just murdering swarms of people. And they just can't do anything because though their weapons can crack shard plate over lots of time. Getting close is the problem, Getting close right? is a problem because these are giant seven, eight foot long blades that are light as heck and can just be. Yeah. Just slice through people and kill them. Yeah. Really uh, easily. So they definitely can turn the tide of battles. And we said they are very, very, very valuable. Yeah. Then there's another type of weapon, and these are called honor blades. These ones are specific to the heralds. There's the weapon that they used when they were around. We'll get they, to heralds in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. They are basically the same as shard blades, but they do have special characteristics that will be discussed later. And later as in like a couple minutes from now when we get into the first chapter. <laughs> yep. And then next we're going to talk about spren. So these are just basically fragments of gods, the gods of Roshar, that have gained some form of sentience, and the amount of sentience varies by spren type. 
They're everywhere on Roshar and are drawn to strong emotions or the source of their essence. So like life's run are drawn to life and Rotspren are drawn to like decay and rotten wounds. And then there are things called flame spren, and they obviously are around fire and just pain spren, anger spren, glory fear spren, spren, fear spren, joy spren, creation yeah. spren. Yeah, these are all types of things that are very prevalent on Roshar. And the first time reading the Storm of My Archive of the Way of Kings, you're like, why is he focused on these things so much? He's just trying to get it across that, hey, this is a huge part of everyday mm -hmm. life here it is a very telling thing for people's emotions if someone's afraid they're gonna have these fear spread crawling out of the ground there's all these very important things that we need to know about so it's kind of heavy in the first part of the book just it because it can be a little confusing if you don't know what they are yes yeah, so we're just explaining to that on. now because it's a very prevalent important part of the stormlight archive is just how important sprint are so yeah next we have uh, at the term Parshendi, and this is basically a race of humanoid, humanoid type of people that inhabit Roshar. They have black, red, and white marbled skin in some type of pattern, and their body is covered in carapace, so like a type of shell. Think of like crabs, crabs lobsters, and all that type of um, stuff. Those are all like carapace and chitin. Yeah, so they have that stuff on their body. Their body just like produces it. It's pretty dang cool. Like armor formed from. Uh, carapace on Parshendi, so it's not something that they have to build. It's already just on their body. Uh, that's just an example. Yeah, it's like our fingernails, but everywhere for them. Yeah. Pretty ding neato. And then we have Parshmen. Yeah, so these are um, similar to the Parshendi in looks. They also have the can have like red, white, or black marbled skin. Um, but in these books, they are the slaves of the humans and are known to be dull and slow of mind. Yeah, these parchment, from what we have been told as of yet, don't really have this carapace. They're just humanoid looking people kind of things with this mottled skin. Yeah, they're of... just not really smart yeah. or fiery people with black, red, and white marbled skin yeah. that have been enslaved. Yeah, they're just treated like animals and traded as such. Yeah. They aren't really seen as people, but rather as like a resource, kind of like how yeah. things were back in the Americas yeah. back in the day. <laughs> American history, right? Yeah. Ta-da! Boom! Like that. Go, Brandon! Um, <laughs> a next really important part of this series, this world, is their way of rule. They have kind of like a separation of class, and it all depends on your eye color. So they have two different types. They have dark eyes and light eyes. So in the society, the lighter your eyes, the better and the higher up you will be seen. Obviously, like families and kingdoms, kings, queens, nobles, all that stuff is still real here. But but they all have light but eyes. But they all have light eyes and all of the lower class um, people have dark eyes. And they are just kind of seen as like second class citizens. They're often like the laborers. The farmers. Miners, the farmers, just like supporting pieces of society, but not really Key important people. ones. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Um, we see like a lot of abusement of dark eyes and light eyes in this series, which is kind of a bummer, but it's a huge prevalent fact of just how this world works. Yeah, and it's really important to understand because one of our main characters is a dark eyes who has been very abused. And mistreated by, by light eyes. eyes. And it's just a very important part to his story. So understanding that is kind of... Yeah, and there's lots more terms that happen along the way. We obviously can't talk about them all right now. But as we come to them, we will talk about them 
uh, soon. So yeah, now we can actually finally, after like 11 minutes, jump into the main part of today's episode. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about the prelude first. Um, so in this prelude, we, as the readers, follow a character called named Kalek. And um, Kalek is an entity called a herald, which is kind of like a servant of this planet's god. There are ten of them, and each of them are associated one with one of the ten orders of Knights Radiant, a group of people with this world's magic, which we will get into later. The heralds are in, char- in charge of keeping the Voidbringers at bay, um, who are basically servants of damnation, and they're there to keep them away from the planet of Roshar. Each herald has different abilities, and they kind of have eternal reincarnation, so whenever they die, they are sent to damnation, which they will be tortured until all of them give in to the pain, at which point both the heralds and the Voidbringers will return to Roshar. And when they come back, this is termed a desolation, and this is when war breaks out between the that was just a lot of information right there. Lots of new, t- new terms. Um, Voidbringers, Heralds, Knights Radiant. It's a lot. Basically, Heralds, big boy bosses in charge of keeping the Voidbringers, which are like servants of hell, away from Roshar, away from the people, keeping people safe. Knights Radiant are a group of people on this world who have this world system's magic. And we'll get more into them later because it's a very importante but now to avoid spoilers, these are just the basic, yeah, more dumbed down terms for all of these things. Yeah, so if you're a big Cosmic fan, you're like, no, they're wrong. We're just trying to say it in a way that doesn't spoil things in the future for everything, <laughs> yeah. like Voidbringers. reader-friendly for people that have not read everything yet. Yeah, so, so don't hate if we're giving a term that you don't like because we're trying to avoid big spoilers for people in the future. But yeah, so back to the prelude, Kalek, um, he is one of the Ten Heralds, and we see him wandering through the aftermath of a battlefield towards like a location that they had already chosen beforehand to go and meet up if they survived. And as he gets closer, he notices that seven of the Heralds' honor blades, like we talked about earlier, are slammed into the ground, and he meets the leader of the Heralds, Jezrean. So Jezrean talks to... Well, he tells Collect that only one of the heralds, Talon or Talenalel, it just depends on, you know, who's saying it. He has two different names, but that's not super important for right now. But he was the only one of the heralds that died in this desolation, and that all of the other heralds, after a millennia of torture, had come to the conclusion and the decision to abandon the oath. Um, we will also talk about the oath pact later. It is more of a spoiler type of thing. Um, anyway, um, Jezrean also tells collect that he needs to surrender his honor blade which is what the other heralds have done at this point which is why they're all rammed into this stone and uh, both Jezrean and collect thrust their honor blades into the stone and depart in opposite directions leaving an empty spot in the ring of swords where the 10th honor blade of the comrade they had all abandoned should have stood yeah so basically they're just completely abandoning their one little friend to an eternity of hell and torture yeah, he can do it. Well, He's the strongest of us, the most mentally tough. He can make it. Yeah, and they're like, we're just going to go live our lives by pal. And they kind of just skedaddle. Because basically, we can talk about this part of the Oath Pact, is that basically how it works is that the Heralds, these ten people, need to go back to Damnation, what is what it's called. And they basically go through an eternity of torture. torture by the Voidbringers until they give up and decide to come back to Roshar. But it only takes one of them to still be there. 
to make it so the Voidbringers don't come back. Yeah, so as long as one, one person's person. holding back the line, the Voidbringers can't, void bringers can't come back to Roshar. And this is like super, super pivotal because we see what happens because of this later. Mm -hmm. But basically they all give away their blades, kind the of the thing blades. that makes, doesn't make them a herald, but... But it's like a pretty important... Yeah, pretty important part of them. And they kind of just turned their back on their friend and said, hey, you got it yourself. But Tom doesn't know he's being abandoned. He's yeah. kind of just in he's hell just waiting. waiting for them because they're supposed to go back yeah, after each desolation. Yeah, after the desolation is over, they're supposed to go back to hell, to damnation, and all tough it out together to keep the Voidbringers at bay. Yeah, but not this time. They just abandoned their buddy, and now he's there all by himself being tortured for the next 4,500 years. Yeah, and that's when the book actually starts. This is kind of just a little prelude getting to know what's happening. And it's super confusing right now because you're reading it and it's talking about different types of monsters that are on the side and other terms that we have no idea what they are. Everything is going on all at once and it can seem very confusing to a new reader. But going back it's after like, oh, reading, it's like, oh, this I is important. totally understand what's going on now. This is what this is and further than the future. So it's a very important place to start. Um, basically, when you read it through the first time, you don't know what any of these words, words mean. You don't know what the Oath Pact is, what a Herald is, what an Honor Blade is. You just know, hey, uh, they dropped their swords and left. Cool. That's what I thought the first time I read yeah, it. I was like, well, who are these people? And then it changes and you, they don't really talk about them again for quite a while. I was like, well, why was that even mentioned? Like, why was that important? He was like, just why did I just read? One time for like five pages and now it's gone yeah like you literally just talked about this and don't mention them for a long time you're like what the heck is you doing yeah it can don't. be very confusing but yes. anyway so <laughs> after that we're going to move on so yeah this the prelude with the prelude out of the way we can finally move on to the prologue um so something that is important about the way of kings is that each chapter starts with a chapter heading and an epigraph which contain a short quote given by a person moments before their death these we will refer to and are referred to in the books as death rattles on your first time through the way of kings these can all seem pretty random and like they have absolutely nothing to do with what's going on because the chapters have nothing to do with the epigraphs yeah you're just like oh this is a cool little couple words behind before the story starts i wonder what it's here for yeah like, what is this? Why is it here? It's pretty random. Um, but later on, we find out how important they are. And especially when rereading the entire series, it is pretty pivotal. Yeah, like I just restarted reading the, or started rereading the Stormlight Archive books. And now I'm just getting to see how many like future things that happen are foretold in these like seemingly insignificant quotes like oh cool whatever yada yada no big deal and yeah, then like holy crap i'm like this things were told in like chapter two of the little prelude wow, thingy boy this was mentioned in the prologue amazing and you're like wow so like the first one we see it says that the love of men is a frigid thing a mountain stream only three steps from the ice we are his oh storm father we are his it is but a thousand days and the ever storm comes yeah, so this is the first time we're introduced to the Everstorm, something that is of very great importance later on. But at that's, this point, we don't know anything about it. We're like, oh, that was okay. nice. No, that's cool. Okay. <laughs> like, Thanks for sharing that weird thing. Um, I didn't know that the death rattles in the beginning of the books for like the longest time were very important. I was talking with Gigi and I was like, hey, are these things important? Because I'm not really paying attention until, like, the chapter starts. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, those are very important to go back and listen. Yeah, I remember being like, you haven't been reading those? He's like, no. 
I was like, well, you should, because you are missing a lot of just like background information for later. So they might not seem like they're important, but later on, they really will be. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Just so, all the foreshadowing. Yeah. Sometimes it takes cool books, but yeah, <laughs> it, it takes, gets there eventually. Yeah. A lot of these won't come into major play until the end of the next book. And then after that, they all happen in rapid succession. And it's pretty cool. And like, oh my goodness, this is what they were talking about. Yeah. But pretty yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, so basically on your first read through, like we were saying, these death rattles are pretty random, but you know, they're important. So yeah. So now we can actually get on to what happens. We are finally into the prologue. No more pre-prologue things we are almost to the start of the book kind of chapter one we're almost there there. but for now we are introduced to an assassin man kid dude called zeth sunson villano and this is a beast of a man he is crazy effective and powerful pretty cool and he is sent to king to kill the king of alethkar king gavilar yeah so at this time like in sentence two, we learn that Zeth, the, the assassin, is employed by the Parshendi, which, as we mentioned earlier, are the humanoid race uh, that also inhabits Roshar. And he was impl- like hired by them to kill the king. And this might not seem super weird until you realize that they just like hours earlier had entered into a peace treaty. And now they're sending an assassin to kill yeah, so you're like, oh, hey, wild. we just signed peace. Oh, we're having fun. They're having a big feast. Plot twist, I'm murdering your king at the same time. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, well, you're all drunk and partying. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Oh goodness, we kind of yes. think they're scumbags for it, but we find out later on why things are happening. It's like, oh, my. Yeah, so as we were, like, saying, Zeth was ordered to kill King Gavilar, and he was specifically told to make sure he is seen doing it, to do yeah. it in a very violent way. Mm-hmm. They don't want anyone to be in doubt of who sent them or that there is someone trying to kill their king yeah so they have so the parshendi have zeth wear a white robe all basically white. all white clothing and he gets the name from this like yeah, the... he gets, gets coined like the assassin in white and monarchs and kings and everyone all over the world is just after this living in fear, fear of this man of this man because of this the events that happen on this night. Yeah. And the whole wearing white thing is a Parshendi tradition that when they kind of go to kill someone, they want the person who they're going to kill to see them coming. That way it's not like dishonorable, yeah. but rather like, hey, I am in bland, if like you're blatant. you're better than me, you can I'm going to try to kill yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to try to kill you. Prepare yourself. Yeah. So that's why he's wearing white. Yeah. Comes very important. He's just known as the assassin in white from Another thing on. that is kind of... Interesting to note is that even when they're like killing someone, they still have honor. The Parshendi are pretty honorable people, and this can be seen later in the books. Um, pretty cool. Um, yeah, this is also when we're first introduced to the magic system of Roshar. It's um, often called surge binding, and on Roshar, certain people can use stormlight, which we mentioned earlier, to fuel their magic. And there are 10 different categories of this magic. Uh, that will be discussed as we come across them. Yeah, but Zeth is, he has a really kind of cool one. His is kind of like manipulating gravity for himself and anything he touches. So basically this means that as he's fighting, he can make any direction become like air quotes here, down, and gravity will pull them in this direction. 
Yeah. So as Zeth is fighting the king's guards, he's just sending everyone flying in different directions, making them stick to the roof, to the walls. And for them, that direction is down now. So it's pretty disorienting for all these people who he absolutely wrecks. He's also able to run on the ground and then lash himself, which is what it's called when he manipulates gravity. Um, to the wall so he can appear to be running on the walls and running on the ceiling and this is spider-man or the like the flash, flash does in movies we've seen like the cw sort of the flash he's like running straight up a wall and for zeth in this point that's just down for him he's able to see the people who are standing on the ground they're now standing on the wall for him like it's yeah. kind of topsy-turvy yeah, so ender's games fans any direction he wants is down yeah for people that have read game. the book that's kind of a thing spoiler and if you haven't like read Ender's a... Game, I haven't read Ender's Game. I didn't even know. That. I've seen the movie. My goodness, no. A spoiler. No, I'm reading these books again. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really cool. So he's just kind of pooping on everyone. It's crazy. Um, and it's super important to know at this part that the guards are kind of just like freaking out. They're so confused with what's going on. They're so on. scared. They've never seen anyone like run on walls. They're flying in all different directions. They have no idea what's going on yeah and this is because these powers this surge binding hasn't been seen by mankind in over 4500 years 4500 years this hasn't been seen by anyone so they are just tripping they have like no idea what's going on they see this mystical figure glowing because when he uses power he kind of takes stormlight into himself and he glows because that's what stormlight does and they just see this glowing figure flying around, make people going in different directions, and they have no idea what's going on. Yeah, I would be panicking if yeah, I was one of them. That would be terrifying. See this man just running, just sending people away using shard his honor blade to yeah, but kill people. To them, it's just a shard blade, yeah, which they, is even more terrifying. Yeah, they don't know it's a honor blade. We do because he he says that. But to all of these people, it's a shard blade, which is something that they have been like terrified of they know how like deadly these weapons are and it must have been pretty scary for these people yeah they're just getting destroyed to see this massive weapon which is things of worth the size of kingdoms that are just destroying their friends and just dead. slicing through boom 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 dead <laughs> and they're just dropping with their eyes burned out it's crazy yeah this is a pretty cool part of the book it's a very intense introduction yeah it's a very like oh my goodness things are happening after the whole last part of us talking of nothing is going on boom murder people (laughs) flying around it's crazy yeah um so after totally destroying the king's guard zeth tries to find king gavilar to kill him yeah so he sees the king surrounded by a bunch of guards or a man he thinks is the king he thinks is the king um Fleeing the scene and just trying to get out of there, and they're leaving behind a single shard bearer in full shard plate, wielding a shard blade to protect the king. Yeah, to kind of like cover the escape. Like, they, like he sees a man in like as a distraction. Yeah, as a distraction, he sees a man in the king's robe and a crown running with his guards, and this big boy bodyguard and this invincible armor and kill big everything sword. sword is standing in his way, trying to buy his king air quotes time yeah and zeth gets around this guy and starts to chase after who he thinks is the king and then it comes to him he's like oh my goodness where would be a better place to put your king would it be surrounded by a bunch of guards who you've seen how effective those people are they just absolutely get trashed 
or would it be in the nearly impenetrable armor with the super powerful sword protecting the king that they knew I would have gotten around? Yeah. So he realizes that the king is not the man fleeing the scene, but he's the guy who's supposed to be the king's bodyguard back in the armor trying to fend him off and it, that that was a pretty it's a wild... pretty cool thing yeah, Zeth just puts on the brakes as he's running he's like wait a minute epiphany turns around books it back yeah and gavilar in the short play is kind of like well i'm i'm out of the woods yeah it's like R. the I. whole that guy he's, <laughs> he's me, the whole but... like meme like i'm in danger type of thing and he just sees <laughs> zeth running back because they had already fought at this point yeah. they as he zeth already... like one like ran past him he's already defeated gavilar in the shard plate he's already like knocked him down not incapacitated him but got he's him already... to the point that he can run past him yeah so but he also might have let him yeah so gavilar kind of like less to let him run past yeah. but you know Zeth poops on people, so mm-hmm. he's one of he's a great like swordsman. He, he is fantastic, yes. Yeah, so, so he turns around, runs back to King Gavilar in the shard plate, and another fight ensues. Yeah, and this time uh, the king isn't so lucky. He doesn't just get to you know be passed by, um, and Zeth, after fighting through rooms and walls and lashing. So, like, sending different pieces of the building flying at the king in the shard plate to weaken it and damage it. Um, Zeth throws the king off the balcony where he is impaled on a beam at the bottom and is dying. Um, So, Zeth goes down to make sure the king is dead. That was his job. Um, And while checking on the king, king, Gavilar asks him two things. One, to keep a sphere glowing with dark light instead of um, stormlight, which is white safe from them but he never gets the chance to say who they are he also tells zeth to tell his brother to find the most important words a man can say and then he dies yeah so, so zeth agrees to do these things he's because you know zen as zeth is shin so in their culture dying wish wishes are super super sacred and they're kind of like must be completed yeah so zeth is a very honorable guy yeah i know it doesn't seem like it because he's killing everyone killing everyone right now but later on we find out some things that are one pretty sad yeah and two pretty illuminating yeah it's kind of sad for him because you'll find out later he's he's known as truthless of shinovar he's a truthless which we'll get into that later as that comes back to him but right now we're just like oh this guy is just destroying everyone wow um, so he takes this dark sphere that he says glows, but it's completely different than normal ones. And he words ra- Gavilar's words to his brother on a piece of wood before, or it was like it's right next to the king. And then he leaves the king's plate and blade with his body and departs. And this is the part that's kind of like important because he has these two pieces of weapons, a plate, the and shard the plate and the shard blade. Which are worth kingdoms. And in Alethi culture, if you beat a shard bearer, their shards are yours. yours. Doesn't matter if you're dark eyes, light eyes, a foreigner, that like is their A slave, custom, whatever. A slave. You kill the shard bearer, those are now yours. So he has these things worth kingdoms and he just leaves them. And one of the parts that we kind of didn't really talk about is all the different types of lashings that there are. There are multiple. Like one is just like the flipping directions. There's two other types. Which we will get into they are we've already seen them he uses them in the fight yeah but later i guess we're talking about them later yeah 
because I don't know exactly what they're called off the top of my head. Okay, so we'll have to get back to you guys later about that. Like, literally, my tennis minutes, but it's okay. Um, so, yeah, that is basically the entire setup for The Way of Kings. We have now finished the prologue. And the prelude. And the Go prelude. Us. We are finally into the actual book. So chapter one is about to start right here. But, you know, we're already 31 minutes into this. So we kind of have to maybe end it here. We yeah. don't know. Let's end it here knowing that what happened in this prologue sets up the entire stage for what's going to happen in these next parts of the book. Um, the Alethi and the Parshendi get into a war over King Gavilar's death, and this takes place on the Shattered Plains, and is hugely impactful on our new characters, which will be at the forefront of these books for the foreseeable future. And we are just so excited to go through all of that with you. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. It is a crazy thing that's going on right now. We just had the craziest opening. For some people, they feel like it's a lot of, like, unnecessary detail and things just because of how much Brandon Sanderson has to introduce. Yeah, there is a lot of foreshadowing and there is a lot of information here that yeah. is undeniable. Yeah, just because, like, imagine if you're, like, going into this new world of reading a book and... Brandon Sanderson's book has a lot of very significant terms that are important on that world. And there's a lot of things like Spren. How do you explain Spren to someone who's never read these books? How do you explain Lashes and all that stuff? And Stormlight. You're just so yeah. confused going in. Especially if you haven't had like any introduction to any of the other books in the series already. You know? like yeah. If you read Mistborn first, you're going to know going into this book that they're going to have some sort of magic and then that can be explained away. But just going in, not knowing anything, it, it's pretty confusing. This, like, this is the first book that I read and I was like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? Yeah. So I looked up the different types of lashes and we'll go over those real fast at the very end. Cause Zeth uses them. So there was the first one, which is the one we've been talking about this entire time, which is the basic lashing. And this is the one where he makes someone's gravity be pulled in a certain direction that he makes whatever direction he wants down for, a person, a book, a chair, whatever, himself, that's how things work. It's That is now they're down, they're pulled in that direction just as we'll put, we are pulled to the ground. Then there is the reverse lashing, and this basically makes whatever he is touching become the center of gravity for everything else in the room or for anything else around it. So anything's flying towards it, boom, and now it gets pulled to... This door that he's touching, or this rock, whatever he's touching becomes... Yeah, like arrows to a shield. Like arrows to a shield. That's pretty cool. Foreshadowing. Whisper, whisper. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's basically how this one works. And there's also just kind of like, he can make things stick together. Like, he can make people stick to walls by, like, binding them, lashing them to the wall, to anything else, two people together, two weapons together, all that type of stuff. But lashing is very important, does not work on shard plate so anyone in it is kind of like immune to it yeah heavily invested which we'll get into later because that's we'll a big thing <laughs> so yeah foreshadowing. foreshadowing there are so many things in these books that we need to like talk about but we can't do it all at once do it all at once just due to how much time and effort brandon sanderson has put into the cosmere there's too many things to explain it would also just be impossible to get through everything in one, in one episode. It's, it's going to take, take us a while. while before we're even close to all of that. It's still coming out. Thank goodness. I know. Hopefully, Better not die on us. Yeah, don't die or we'll be so sad forever. Because, you know, 
everything's kind of left up on the cliffhanger. Everything in the Cosmere is co- like coro- cohesive. Co- cohesive. It's, all, it's, it's connected. connected. That's the word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is really it for this episode. We didn't even get to the start of the book, but we've been going on for a fat minute. We've been going on for 35 minutes as of right now. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, yeah, we had follow a great us. time with you. Yeah, follow us on all of our socials. We're working on getting them up and going. Yeah, thank We're... you to the 16 Yeah, we had 16 <laughs> listeners last week. That's great. We were probably like six of those, just making sure that the things were working. But hey, that's still people who listen to us. So if you listen yeah, to us, exciting. Thank thanks. You. That's so cool. Um, that's great. You guys want to message us or anything, you can do that at the World Singers Guide at gmail.com. Um, is that or all lowercase? It's all, all lowercase. Case. I don't think that matters anymore for emails. That's, but yeah. maybe. I, so. I don't think so. But there's also, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. Our Twitter is kind of empty. So is our Instagram. We have one post saying, hey, we're here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're working on it. We just started this. So. We're not the biggest social media. Yeah, so we're not big been... on social media. So if it sucks, <laughs> we, so we apologize. We're working yeah. on it. If you want to help us out. No, because we want to do it ourselves for now until we're big and we made it. Then you can help us out. But anyways, this is us. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to the World Singer's Guide to the Cosmere. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, have a good one, everybody. Uh, Bye. Bye.